Hey everyone, this is Stephanie Izard, and you're listening to Cook Checks. I'm Rach, Rachel Ray, and you're listening to Cook Tracks. It's a brand new, super cool way to cook. Each episode will be right alongside you. Well, kind of, will be in your ear, taking you step-by-step step through a dish or a meal in real time. We'll be adding a little pinch of tips, tricks, and fun stories to keep you guys entertained and up your cooking game. Needless to say, we've got your back in the kitchen. I mean it, guys. You literally don't have to worry about a thing. I'm going to keep you on track with my buddy, Cappy. Think of him as our kind of play-by-play announcer for the cook-along. And since not all stoves are created equal, boy, do I know that. If you guys get a little caught up, just hit pause. You don't have to read a recipe, and it isn't rocket science. This is not something you're supposed to take seriously. We want you guys to have fun. Follow along, and at the end of each episode, we'll have made a dish or a meal from start to finish together. Gather up your ingredients, pour yourself a drink or a cup of tea, and turn your volume up to 11. This is Cook Tracks. For this episode, we have one of the best chefs in Chicago. Well, we should say she's the GOAT. Stephanie Izard is uber talented, and I have an uber girl crush on her. She is the lady behind the restaurants in Chicago that bear the name Goat, plus Cabra, which is goat in Spanish. I'm really psyched for you guys to cook along with her. While this recipe may scream breakfast, you can eat it, like I say, BLD, breakfast, lunch, or dinner. It's her tasty, eggy, kimchi bacon thing. (laughs) Yeah, that's literally the name. Isn't that fun? It's from her book, Gather and Graze. Let's talk prep work. You can keep on listening to this episode, but if you go to your episode notes on your device or cooktracks.com, you'll find the ingredients and equipment list that you need to cook along with us. All right, Cap's in the kitchen with Steph. Take it away, Cappy. All right, everybody. We are here in the private dining room kitchen upstairs at Little Goat Diner with Chef Stephanie Izard in Chicago. We're going to get rocking and rolling here. Steph, tell us what recipe you are making today and also why are you obsessed with this dish? I'm going to make a recipe that we used to have on the diner menu when we opened. Uh, Little Goat's been open for about six years now. In the cookbook, it's called Tasty Eggy Kimchi Bacon Thing. I think when it was on the menu, we had like five other words, and it was this whole run-on sentence because yeah. I couldn't figure out what to call it. It's actually inspired by a street food called Hoi Tad um, from Thailand where there's like a gi- – I watched a video of it. I've not actually eaten this in Thailand. I've been to Thailand, didn't yeah. eat the dish. But there's like a giant – Um, And if you see, like, my arms are, like, as big as they can be right now. This giant cooking surface, um, and they put a bunch of oil on top of it, pour this batter on it, start sizzling in the oil and getting all crunchy and yummy. And then they pour on a bunch of mussels that are out of the shell and start sort of cutting it up and making this crunchy pancake with, like, mussels and other things in it. So watched this video, thought it was really cool, decided to try to recreate a version of it for the diner. But instead of putting mussels, because... We're in Chicago. We're not in Thailand. Um, it's supposed to be a breakfast thing. Decided to add some bacon and some kimchi to it. So, of course, kind of pulling from other areas with the kimchi, but just making this crunchy pancake with spicy kimchi, salty bacon. We put some eggs inside of it to make it kind of breakfasty. So at Little Goat, it's all about trying to find street foods as inspiration. So this was finding this random street food that I didn't actually eat there. 
and then I'm um, putting other ingredients into it. So it's awesome. really fun. It's, uh, I mean, I don't want to say it sounds delicious because I've had it and it is delicious. So let's do a roll call of ingredients. Take us through what everybody should have in front of them in their kitchen now. Sure. I'm going to make it nice and simple and break it down into different stages. So for the first stage, let's just focus on the batter ingredients. So we've got our all-purpose flour. We've got cornstarch, some rice flour, a couple teaspoons of sugar, just for a little sweetness. It helps it caramelize. Some baking powder and fish sauce. Excellent. All right, so let's get going. This part's really simple. We're going to make the batter, and then we're going to go ahead and just put this in the fridge while we get ready for the rest of the dish to come together. So we're just going to dump in the bowl some all-purpose flour. Oh, we've also got eggs. I forgot about the eggs, four eggs. Uh, We've got some cornstarch. And you can kind of make this, I think of it as um, an entertaining dish. Um, You could just make it for yourself. You can cut the batter very easily. Looking at the ingredients, you can cut it in half or in quarter just to make however much you want. The batter would hold probably overnight in the fridge is fine. And when you're starting to put it together, I just dumped in the the baking powder, the all-purpose flour, the sugar, the cornstarch. It does come across as being a lot of baking powder. Okay. Um, So I feel like when people make this for the first time, they kind of are like, that seems like a lot of baking powder. (laughs) But don't worry about it. It's actually the right amount. So we're all good. So this is all being dumped into like a medium to large size mixing bowl. It is. And then in a separate bowl, I'm actually going to mix together the wet ingredients. So we are going to put in um, some eggs, which I'm just cracking right now. And one thing um, also I forgot is the water. We're going to need a few cups of water. So I'm going to crack the eggs. I'm going to whisk these together with the water and the fish sauce and then mix the wets together with the dry to make the batter. I'm making like a really big batch of batter right now, but again, you can just make less. I think it's kind of fun to have recipes that you can make for entertaining. You could keep making these pancakes when your friends come over. And we spilled a little because this is real cooking and that happens. I just spilled some fish sauce, which I would say if you're going to spill something, I mean, you should spill fish sauce because (laughs) it smells really good. I'm going to fill up some water real quick. I actually, when I was in Vietnam, I went on a trip to Southeast Asia. I went to Thailand, Cambodia, and Vietnam. And I was sitting in Vietnam one day and I reached for the fish sauce for my breakfast because in other countries they eat things that are savory for breakfast. It's not about like waffles and pancakes and things. It's about noodles and um, fun muscle pancakes and fun street foods. So I was eating a bowl of noodles and I reached for the condiments to garnish it with. Grabbed the fish sauce because it's one of my favorite ingredients of all time. And it just spilled like all over my pants. (laughs) And I was backpacking through Southeast Asia. So I was like, well, this is a great way to start yeah. my day. Um, I don't think I have any clean pants, but... So about, um, about three cups or so of yep, water Yeah, about there. three cups of water with the eggs. Again, this is making, like, making way more batter than we're going to need today. So I would say for sure, um, just kind of think about how many people that you're going to be cooking for. If you're just making this for a fun breakfast can definitely go down to maybe like a one egg batter Yeah, would be plenty. So whisk up that liquid mixture and then dump in the dry. Yeah, dump in the dry, mix it all together. Like you're just just doing a pancake. Yeah, it is like, it is a pancake. It is coming across as just a simple pancake batter. What's different is it does have all that, a lot of baking powder in it and it's going to, we're gonna put this in the fridge to hang out for a few minutes and it'll probably grow a little bit in the bowl and like start to kind of get all excited and fluffy which is a good thing. It's just like getting ready to get all sizzled in the pan. There we go. And you don't have to, I just whisked this for however long I was just talking, 15 seconds, and it's not perfectly smooth. It does have some little lumps in it, and that's just fine. Just like if you were making, you know, 
I grew up eating Bisquick waffles and pancakes my whole life. Question for you. As we leave summer shortly and head into fall, is there an ingredient that you like don't want to quite let go of? Summertime, I think my favorite ingredients are just all the summertime fruits. I love cooking with different fruits. Stone fruit season, my favorite thing to do is take really hard stone fruits and use them. So everybody's always at the grocery store squeezing and trying to find the ones that are nice and ripe. And I'm squeezing them all to find the hardest ones. Really? I like to take hard nectarines and make a quick kimchi with just a little gochujang on the outside. Or I like to take really, really hard, rock-hard plums and use them in different salads and such. But I think that the best flavor comes from rock-hard stone fruit because it has this great crunch still. It's nice and bright and acidic. It hasn't developed all of its sugars yet, so you can use it in savory dishes to garnish. So as the summer comes to an end and goes into fall, they've all totally over-ripened, and I don't have my crunchy stone fruit anymore. Yeah. <laughs> so that's my favorite thing. So batter goes in the fridge to hang out while we While we're going to make the, the dipping sauce. So what's fun about this is it has a little dipping sauce on the side that's inspired by Nak Chum, which is a dipping sauce for spring rolls. So if you ever go out for Southeast Asian food and you have, or Vietnamese food and you have spring rolls that are made out of just those rice paper wrappers, this is the little sauce that comes on the side, but sort of our interpretation of it. So putting in some dark brown sugar, which I'm guessing is not classically used in Vietnam in the sauce, but I just want to add a little sweetness. It's more of a palm sugar could be used, but it's much easier to find dark brown sugar. I'm just adding in some fish sauce and a bunch of malt vinegar. Again, my favorite ingredient. I had a chef say to me once, a chef friend say that putting fish sauce in everything was like cheating. And I was like, well, yeah, cheating because it makes everything taste better. Right. I don't think it's like, you know, it's okay to use fish sauce. He phrased it as though it was like cheating, like, you know, you're skipping your chefness by using fish sauce and letting it do all the work. But it's just so delicious. Uh, We're going to put in some fresh squeezed lemon juice. I say fresh squeezed because please use fresh squeezed. Those little things that you get at the store that look like a lemon. That's just to con you. I get that it's easier, but in our restaurants, we we go through a lot of citrus, especially at my new, like, Peruvian spot. It's all this lime juice, and it's such a difference making it fresh. One day, fine, but don't leave a bunch of lemon juice in your fridge. It gets kind of gross. All right, so then we're going to put in some garlic. I personally, and again, I don't know if there's some chefs that say you shouldn't use a microplane with your garlic. I say... I'm all about it. I'm all about it. It makes it nice and small. It's fast. It's easy. Yes, my, like... Two fingers I'm holding the garlic with might smell, but I don't think those little metal things that people keep by their sink to get the garlic smell off their fingers really work. So why get garlic all over the place? So while people are microplaning or chopping their garlic, maybe they have, can you give us like the elevator pitch slash explanation on fish sauce? Because I know you love it, as you said, and I recently got a new fresh bottle of it in my house. I haven't cooked with it a lot. I just made a delicious dish with it, but I feel like I need to and want to use it more. But, I mean, it's funky smelling, tasting straight, it's strong. So there's, yeah. I think that it can be a little bit scary because it is so strong smelling. One thing, I mean, fish sauce is basically just fermented fish. You know, you think about, a lot of people just say sub in soy sauce, but it just doesn't have that same flavor. It doesn't have that sort of funkiness. I love soy sauce as well, that... You like barrel-aged pretty much flavor of soybeans that you get this extreme saltiness with that little bit of sweetness that helps flavor things. Fish sauce, it's straight up just salty, but that little bit of funkiness, like you can't get that flavor from anything else. Granted, in this recipe, if you cannot eat fish, you can totally put in some soy sauce. I use it in everything. I use it just to add that salt instead of just adding salt because you're getting other layers of flavor at the same time. We often, the 
dipping sauce that I just put together that has the brown sugar, the lemon juice, very similar to a sauce that we make in bottle called This Little Goat Went to Southeast Asia. And the reason I wanted to make that is we use it at Girl and the Goat for our green beans, which is probably one of our like classic dishes after almost nine years of being open. It's just green beans cooked with a fish sauce vinaigrette. And people are like, what is that? I'm like, it's the fish sauce. Yeah. But then when you talk about that, people are really scared to buy that bottle of fish sauce. You open it and you think, oh my gosh, I cannot cook with this. Right. And if you put too much, it's not very delicious. But by having the sauce that we make has a little bit of brown sugar, it has some lemon juice, it has a little bit of Dijon, and it just kind of makes cooking with fish sauce easier because it's more palatable and you can put a ton of that on and like not kind of go wrong so don't be afraid of fish sauce buy it use it as a condiment it's like a good way to add a little flavor even Mm -hmm. um, whether it's with the this little go into southeast asia or just straight up fish sauce even if i buy let's say store-bought tomato sauce and i just want to add it's missing some flavor profiles i put a little bit of fish interesting or like a store-bought soup put a little bit of fish sauce there's nothing wrong with buying store-bought sauces i think it's fun to kind of just jazz them up with a little bit of your own flavors. Yeah. Um, and fish sauce is one of those that works really great. And there are some fish sauces, I say this because my wife has a shellfish allergy, that are not made with shellfish. So right. there are yeah, a couple Yeah, there's a couple. We use Red Boat primarily. Yeah. It is definitely like on the higher end price-wise, but you use so little. You That's know, the one the I difference? just bought. Red Boat, I think, is my favorite. I used to use Three Crabs, which although the name says crabs it's actually shellfish free also How funny so yeah you would think that it wasn't shellfish free <laughs> the reason we use red boat also one it's delicious two it's gluten-free so in this recipe of course with my big bowl of flour that i just pulled out of the refrigerator the gluten-free portion doesn't really apply but at girl and the goat we use fish sauce in so many things we decided to use much better to use a gluten-free product so it doesn't sort of stop folks from being able to have that flavor so we have our batter it's looking really awesome it's like a little bit fluffy. There's some nice bubbles on top, just as you would want out of a great pancake batter. And I'm going to get my burner going. I'm using a nonstick pan. I feel like there's discussion points or some people are upset about nonstick pans. <laughs> just treat your nonstick pan properly because for something like this, you do want a nonstick. It's just going to work much easier. I don't think it'll work that well in a regular pan. So this is like a medium, 10-inch medium size nonstick skillet and your, your heat, are you on high heat? Pan? I'm going high right now. I'm okay. going to put it on high just to get it nice and hot and then turn it down to a medium high. I think something that I've learned over the years of watching sort of friends come over or watching other people cook in homes is that not using high enough heat is something that often happens with cooking proteins or just cooking things in general, being a little too scared of getting your pan hot. Um, and that's where things kind of go wrong. So with this dish, I was talking about the initial inspiration, this big, super hot flat top with like a bunch of oil on it that started sizzling when they put the batter on. That's what we're trying to create. So we're also going to use, I mean, a good amount of oil. I just put like a couple tablespoons in there and it's going to make this nice little shallow pool of oil. So a couple tablespoons of oil in that pan, and it's like a little little shimmery, huh? Yeah, it's a little shimmery. You can see the oil start to dance around a little bit. You definitely want to go until when you put this batter in, it's going to go. And then you should have all your other ingredients that have are going all your other in. ingredients ready to go. So while this is still getting a little bit hotter, I've got some strips of bacon. And I have some bacon that was, you know, cooked off the day before, that's fine. Or you could cook it off in the morning. I just like to throw it in the oven so it gets nice and evenly crunchy. And you could, you know, skip the bacon. You could put in some ham. You could put in... This is sort of one of those recipes, and I think every recipe is this. Make it once, maybe following the recipe, and then think to yourself, what would I really want to put in my pancake? What are some of the ingredients that are my favorite things? Like, think of the pancake as a vehicle for whatever you want to make for breakfast. So I've got my bacon ready. I've got my kimchi ready. This is stuff that we make at Little Goat, but 
I mean, there's nothing wrong with just buying kimchi. I've gone to some folks from uh, Korea's homes and they have a whole kimchi room in their oh, house, wow. which is the coolest thing ever. Yeah. But you have to, you know, you have to devote to having an area for this. All right. All right. Can we do a quick speed round? Do you have a favorite person that you are following on Instagram right now? Oh, <laughs> tricky. A person or brand I'm following on Instagram? I mean, chef-wise, I probably like following Kristen Kish a lot. Yeah. I mean, just as a chef friend, and she, I don't know, it's just fun seeing what she's up to. Yeah, awesome. We talked about a dish you're obsessed with right now. Do you have a song that you're obsessed with right now? Or an entrance song? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like the worst. It's so funny because I just had like a huge dance party in Aspen and I like have no idea what all we were dancing to. What is that song that, Donna and dance with me. I think I danced to that at your wedding actually. (laughs) Um, It's more like I jump dance, but in the summer, like that's what I want to listen to is just cheesy kind of jump around and dance music. Yeah, awesome. And then last one, do you have any superstitions in the kitchen? Superstitions in the kitchen. I think that, well, looking around at myself, don't work too neatly. Just kidding. I think, not superstitions per se. I think sometimes people take things a little bit too seriously. So my superstition would just be not to follow the rules too closely. I don't know. Yeah. Awesome. And then I've got my eggs ready to go. So this oil, it's starting to look much thinner in the pan. When you start to move it around, you can tell that it's hot and ready to go. And I'm going to drizzle in some batter. I'm going to put in about, I would say, three and a half to four ounces of batter. And you can see it, it's actually looking like a funnel cake right now, which is exactly what you want. Um, when I was training all my cooks on how to make this, I kept just talking about funnel cakes. because so it gets those cool little edges. Like it looks almost, my son who loves octopus would love this right now because it looks almost like octopus legs or it looks like... It totally does. A sea urchin or something. And then like right as that starts to like... You're just adding eggs right on top of that. So cracking eggs right on top. And then I'm actually using, when I break the shell in half, stabbing the yolk a little bit. To break um, the yolk. Just to break it up a little bit. Got it. Now we're going to let this go. When you look around those little edges, you can see they're starting to get all nice and crispy. We're going to let it go just a little bit longer. You can kind of let that batter go out. And then I'm going to leave the eggs like in the middle. So when we flip this, they're getting exposed to the pan first. And I'm going to start to put the bacon around, almost like I'm making a wreath. It looks kind of like a wreath of yumminess. So we've got eggs in the middle. Ooh, our pan is sort of sizzling around the edges, getting all crunchy. I'm sprinkling on some kimchi. That sound you hear is like the sound of all the kimchi juices just starting to hit that hot pan. And then here comes the moment of fun. And I could say to like, just pretend this comes out perfect and not let everybody know if it doesn't, but it's kind of hard, and so I just want you guys to know that I don't do it perfect every time either. You could either use a spatula to flip this, or I'm going to just flip this in the air right now, which is kind of fun. Woo! <laughs> <laughs> I almost, my eggs kind of came out of the side a little bit, which is fine. You can kind of just let them tuck back in. You just have to have, like, one of those, like, confident flips where you're just right? like, go for it. Yeah, you kind of just got to go for it. This is definitely not like if you've never flipped a pan before, maybe, that you want to try this. But we did a a book launch party a couple of years ago or last year and had folks at the party. They all wanted to come over after watching me do it once. I was like, do you want to try it? <laughs> and it was kind of a fun little game. I think if you're having a gathering, you're having your friends over for brunch, flip one, like put it out as snacks and then let everybody come in. Maybe they sign a waiver so they don't burn themselves. I don't know. Yeah. But just have everybody come over and give it a try and see that 
It's kind of fun. It's a fun little challenge. You might end up with a little kimchi and eggs on the floor, but nothing wrong with that. So what's fun about having things that are inspired by street food is it's going to be messy, and that's kind of just what's fun about it. Nothing to worry about there. I'm just kind of moving the edges of the eggs around a little bit to make sure they get cooked. And then I'm just using this rubber spatula because we're using our nonstick pan, and you want to always use rubber so you don't ruin your nonstick. And we're just cutting it into some messy chunks, and we're going to make a little fun pile up on our plate. I've got one piece of the eggs are a little under. I'm going to flip that back over for a second. Here we go. We're just going to plate this up. So you've got eggs that are kind of just cooked with like this yummy salty bacon and kimchi. And then there's a whole bunch of this crunchy funnel cake action happening. So good. Smells amazing. Mm. All right, so we're getting our last piece out of here. I think that last piece I just scooped out was the most perfect one. You can see like how crunchy the edges are. They've kind of soaked up a bunch of that oil and gotten all super yummy. And then we're just going to put some mung bean sprouts on top for some nice fresh crunch, some cilantro. If you're not a cilantro fan, you can go ahead and skip it. Maybe use some mint. I've got cilantro and some sorrel. Again, just pick whatever herbs that you want. Some basil would be really nice in here, some Thai basil. What, what type of flavor is sorrel? Sorrel tastes to me like you're biting into a green apple. Huh. Sort of that really acidic taste that you get from the outside of a green apple. It's kind of a nice, I love having like brightness and acidity in dishes, yeah. and it's a cool way to add it. Put that dipping sauce And we've sauce got our little, little dipping little sauce dish. inside. Yum. There's a pancake, and you have enough batter to make plenty more for all your neighbors. Yeah, I would say I've got enough batter to have a party for like 25 people, so... Definitely, we can make, just kind of make as much as you're looking for. That right there, I think, is enough to feed two people for a fun brunch. Put it out with a spread of some other things. Dip it in and enjoy. So good. All right. Thanks, Steph. Thank you. I totally made a mess in like 10 seconds. Whether you just listened for fun or you cooked right along with us, we want to thank you. If you did cook a recipe, we want to see your food. Take a pick and tag it with hashtag CookTracks. You can find more info and keep up to date with us at CookTracks.com. CookTracks is cooked up by Cappy, Ian Cohen, and Charlie Dugiello with editing from Joel Yeaton. Music has been composed by Jeffrey David Goldford. Special thanks to Red Summit Productions. Please rate, review, and or subscribe to this podcast on your listening site of choice. Thanks for listening to CookTracks. We got your back in the kitchen.